Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode number 55 of the Building Up Podcast. We record this podcast as part of the Bible teaching ministry of Agape Church in Pinson, Alabama. I'm David McConnell, and as always, thank you guys for being with us. In episode 55, we're answering a question sent in by a listener. How do I biblically respond to someone who refuses to acknowledge they hurt me? Now, this is a very important question that all of us will have to deal with probably multiple times in life. And to address this, I'm going to make uh, an assumption, a couple of assumptions. First, I'm going to assume that the harm we have suffered cannot be overlooked, either because it's still ongoing or because it was so significant that it would lead to bitterness if it's not addressed. Secondly, I will assume that the person who has hurt us is a believer. Otherwise, if they're a non-believer, our response would primarily be praying for their salvation so that they can come to a place of repentance and be reconciled to us. So with that in mind, I think we can glean some wisdom from the principles that Jesus gives us in Matthew 18 for conflict resolution between Christians. So if you have a Bible and want to go there, you can follow along. Let's begin in verses 21 and 22. There, Peter asked Jesus how many times he needs to forgive his brother who sins against him. Love this question from Peter. I think we can all relate to it. Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive this person? They keep doing the same thing over and over. And Peter even makes a suggestion. He says, about seven times. Now, within the Jewish religion, three times was considered sufficient to show that you had a forgiving spirit. So Peter likely felt like he was being pretty generous. But Jesus responds to Peter and says, not seven times, but 77 times, which indicates continual forgiveness, forgiveness without limits. And I think it's important for us to note that Jesus makes no mention here of repentance on the part of the offender. And I think this teaches us that our offering of forgiveness is not to be dependent on someone's acknowledgement of wrongdoing. We are to offer forgiveness based on the forgiveness that Christ has offered us, not based on someone else's attitude or their confession. And that is extremely important in a situation where an individual refuses to admit they did anything wrong. They could be a very prideful person who's just unable to admit they make mistakes, or perhaps something in their own background has made them blind to how their behavior is harming others. So our offering of forgiveness is more about the health of our own soul and our own relationship with Jesus than it is about whether the person who has offended us deserves it. In Christ, we can offer forgiveness even without their repentance. But what is at stake in their repentance is an ongoing healthy relationship with that person. Our ability to be able to stay in close fellowship with someone, whether it's a friend or a church member or maybe someone in our family like a parent or a sibling, it may absolutely be dependent on whether or not they're willing to acknowledge a significant sin that they have committed. And so earlier in that same chapter 18 of Matthew, Jesus gives some specific instructions on how we are to respond to a fellow believer who has harmed us. And even if you've heard these before, let's just try to walk through them together and see what the Lord would reveal to us. 
Beginning in verse 15 in Matthew 18, Jesus says, If your brother or sister sins against you, go and tell them their fault between you and them alone. So, step number one is a loving, truthful confrontation. Now, to be honest, this is rarely easy. We discussed this in our our last episode, but in my pastoral ministry, I've often seen people detach from other believers without ever addressing what has happened to cause the difficulty between them. Because these type of conversations are just hard, and we rarely look forward to them. But Jesus tells us, you need to do this. You need to have a private conversation with this person who's hurt you that lays out the issue very clearly. Don't beat around the bush about it. Uh, sometimes you may need to write it down in a letter ahead of time that you read to them just so you, you make sure you're really clear. And then Jesus says, if they listen to you, great, you've won them over. And sometimes that's all it takes to resolve a conflict. Sometimes the person may not even realize they've hurt us, or maybe they do realize it, but it's that loving and truthful confrontation that God uses to bring about repentance. But as we know, this is not always the end of the problem. As a matter of fact, in the question that was asked for the podcast, it appears that the person has already confronted the individual who has sinned against them, but that person is refusing to admit that what they did is wrong. So what's next? I would say that this might be an opportunity to be patient, to let the Lord perhaps use some time to bring about change. God is patient with us, and so we certainly want to be patient with others. And that first conversation that you have may be like a seed that's planted, and it it just needs some time to be watered and to grow. But if this is an ongoing sin that they're committing against you, or if that proper amount of time has passed, Jesus gives us the next step. Verse 16, if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you so that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So at this point, this obviously means that you're going to have to tell someone else what has happened. And this shouldn't have happened, uh, excuse me, this should not, this step shouldn't, be out of order with the with the first one. Uh, sometimes we want to tell people before we've confronted the person who uh, has sinned against us. But in, in Jesus' conflict resolution, we go to the person first. If that doesn't work, we may need to bring in someone else. The purpose is not gossip. The pur- purpose is not to get that person on your side. You need to use this individual as a person of counsel. So it needs to be someone who is a wise, mature Christian who can keep a confidence. Now, if the context is the church, this should likely be an elder or a pastor. But if the context is a friend or a family member, then you may need to get another family member or someone who has ties to you and the person who hurt you. Share your view with them. Listen to them. Let them advise you if they truly feel a sin has been committed. If they don't, You need to listen to what they're saying to you because sometimes we're the ones who need the different perspective. But if they agree a hurt has happened, then ask them to go with you to speak to that person. When you have this confrontation, this loving confrontation, the other person should be allowed to present their side and we should listen to them. And then prayerfully through this dialogue, reconciliation will come. I would say the same thing I did before. This might be a time where you have to practice patience and let this conversation have time to 
bear fruit. But what if the person still refuses to acknowledge that they've hurt you? Jesus realizes this may be the case, and so he gives us a third step. In verse 17, If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. This is the hardest principle to apply to a situation like we've been discussing. At this point, the individual is presenting a hardened heart that has refused to budge under private conversation as well as a group confrontation. In a church setting, if the sinner is still unrepentant, Jesus says this calls for church discipline. The whole church needs to know about it to try to bring about some type of repentance. And if that repentance doesn't happen, then uh, further discipline needs to occur. It's a bit hard for us to reconcile this step in a more private setting where you have family members or friends that are outside the church. But I think the phrase, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector is really key. Gentiles and tax collectors represent those outside the church that you're not in fellowship with like you are a brother or a sister in Christ. Now, Jesus regularly dealt with Gentiles and tax collectors. He spent time with them. He showed them compassion. He did good works to them. He even ate meals with them in their home. He had a lot of interaction with them, but he did not relate to them as he did his disciples. He did not share with them his innermost thoughts. He did not fellowship with them very closely. He loved them, but he did not let them into his inner circle the way that he did his disciples. So if this individual continues to refuse to acknowledge that they've hurt you, even after you followed these first two steps of reconciliation, even after you've given time for the Lord to work, then there may need to be some distancing that takes place. Treating them like a tax collector doesn't mean that you judge that they're not a believer. Leave that to the Lord. It doesn't mean that you cut them out of your life, unless that is just a necessary step to prevent further harm because they're continuing in some type of ongoing and willful sin that they refuse to stop. But you may need to limit the time that you have with them, even while you maintain some form of relationship with them. It may be that you don't have close fellowship with them as you once did. But while you distance from them, you're praying for them. You're praying for their heart to be softened. You're praying for God to convict them. You're praying that God will open their eyes to their need to repent. All of these steps should be done with compassion and with love and with grace because that's how Jesus treated people. Keeping someone at an arm's length may be very hard, especially if there's someone that we have always been close to, someone that we love. But it may be necessary for a season to give God time to work. I think this should be done with a great deal of prayer and discernment and counsel from other wise Christians to make sure that your motives are what they need to be and that this is the proper step at the proper time. When we talk about these steps in Matthew 18, when we talk about private converse, conversation, group conversation, and even perhaps some type of distancing, uh, these steps are never going to be easy. 
And so we always need to remind ourselves the aim is reconciliation. God is a God of reconciliation. So we want to be in good relationship with those in our circle, our friends and our family and those in our church. But sometimes we have to prayerfully consider the ways that God has given us to bring about peace. And sometimes those steps are hard and we have to enter into them Uh, with a great deal of seriousness. I hope this has been helpful to you today. And uh, if you have some other questions about this, maybe something specific for a situation in your life, in just a moment you're going to hear an email address in our outro. You can use that to contact me. And uh, I would love to converse with you about what's going on in your life. Or you can suggest a topic for a future episode just as... Uh, this listener did for episode 55. If you think this podcast would be helpful to someone, please share it either by word of mouth or on social media. We would love for you to do that. But until next time, church, let's continue to rely on Jesus together. As always, grace and peace to your family. Thank you for listening to the Building Up Podcast. If you have a question about today's episode or if you would like to suggest a topic for the future, please email us at buildingup@agapepinson.com. To subscribe to this podcast, simply search for Building Up from Agape Church in your favorite podcast app. Or you can watch the video format by visiting us online at agapepinson.com. Mm-hmm.